Well, good morning, ladies. Here we are at the end of Habakkuk. And as Chantal had mentioned, what a journey. A journey as we traveled through trying times with Habakkuk. Habakkuk was struggling with all that was going on around him. Sin and wickedness amongst his own people. Destruction, violence, fighting, corruption, spiritual and moral decline. The law of Moses had no effect on the lives of the people. At the very beginning, we saw Habakkuk pleading to God. There was this dialogue going on between Habakkuk and God, back and forth, back and forth. Confusion, doubt. Habakkuk was full of questions, seeking answers from God. God, where are you? How long do I need to cry for help? How long before you do something? When will this all stop, all this wickedness? We then saw God respond. God assured Habakkuk that he was listening and that he sees what's going on. Habakkuk got an answer from God, but it wasn't the answer he was expecting. God was going to raise up and empower the wicked Babylonians. He was going to raise up and use the wicked Babylonians to discipline the people in Judah and bring justice on Israel. What, thought Habakkuk? We saw him become confused, perplexed, and he began complaining. He addressed God again, questioning him, how can a holy God use a corrupt nation to bring about justice? Habakkuk wanted answers, and so he waited for God to respond. And God did respond with the command to wait, to wait and to trust. When the time is right, nothing will stand in the way. I will keep my promises. The righteous will live by faith and the Babylonians will be judged for their sins. It's at that time that God then revealed the five woes. Five woes pronouncing God's judgment against Babylon for its evil ways. God highlighted their specific sin and then pronounced his coming judgment upon them. Judgment on them because of their greed, ruthlessness, evil leadership, abusing power over others and their practice of idolatry. Habakkuk is moved and we see him recognize that his all-powerful God is in control in full control, in full authority over all. Habakkuk recognized God as the one true God. So in this whirlwind that's going on all around him, the only right thing Habakkuk could do at this point in time is pray. He focuses on God, on God's character. Habakkuk begins remembering God's mighty work in the past. He begins recalling history. God's powerful presence, his powerful acts, how God was in control of plagues and problems, remembering how God miraculously protected, provided, and delivered his people over and over and over again from various hard situations, and how God saved and rescued them from their enemies. Well, this brings us to where we are today. As we look at the end of this chapter, Let's pay attention to how Habakkuk has changed. Let's read chapter 3, verses 16 to 19, and let's see if we can pick that out. 16 to 19. I hear and my body trembles. 
My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. Let me just pray for us. Lord, we pray for this time as we open up your word, as we come to the end of Habakkuk. May we come to understand the message you have for us, the message you have for us as a whole, as well as individually. Clear our minds, Lord, from all the busyness that may be going on and help us to focus on your word. Open our hearts. May we be receptive and may the words you have placed on my heart be just that, Lord. May they be your thoughts and words and may you be glorified today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The Habakkuk that we knew from the beginning of this book is not the same one at the end of this book. If you remember, as we started the book back in January, Habakkuk was anxious by what he saw. All the fears, doubts, confusion, uncertainty, questioning God. Now look at him. He's listening. He's waiting. He's resting, rejoicing, relying on, worshiping, and praising God. This same God. So what changed? Certainly his circumstances have not changed. As Karen mentioned last week, Judah would be in captivity for 70 plus years. Years and years of trials and hardships and struggles. So no, nothing changed in his surroundings. At the end of this chapter, there's still devastation and suffering and turmoil. Things weren't going to get better. In fact, they were going to get worse and worse, and then they would get even worse. But something has changed. Habakkuk has changed. But what caused this change in him? His gaze has shifted. He has shifted his focus on the Lord and not on his circumstances. And he found strength and hope. No more questions or confusion. God is now enough for him. He listened. He has heard God's voice. He has heard about the coming invasion of the Babylonians. He has encountered the one true God and has seen his glory. He has been reminded of the promises of God and beheld what God had done in the past. So much that his body begins to tremble inside and out. He begins to recognize his weakness and he surrenders. Surrenders totally to the Lord who he knows is in control. Yet he waits. He quietly waits. Waits for what? For the day of trouble. 
He knew that day was coming when the Babylonians would come and attack his country. Point one, he listens and waits. Waits for God to act. What about us? We pick up the phone. It's that call we never wanted to get. Our loved one has been in a terrible accident. Or our medical test results. They've come back and the news we've, um, were given by the doctor, it's not good. It's not what we wanted to hear. The company that we've been with forever has just folded. And now what? We look at our world, a corrupt society. We fear for our children and our grandchildren and wonder if it's this bad now, what will it be like when they get older? Our body trembles, tingles, our bones ache. We get that yuck feeling in our gut, overwhelming feelings. We get this mix of fear, anxiety, hatred, confusion. We begin to question God, why? And we complain. Are we listening to the Lord? Are we waiting on the Lord? Do we remember his goodness and his love and his faithfulness? At that moment when we're struggling, do we recognize our weakness and do we surrender? Surrendering totally to the Lord who is in control? Do we trust in ourselves or others or take matters into our own hands? Or do we lean on the one true God? The one who loves us and promises to be with us at all times. The one who provides his peace and comfort. The one who has all things in control. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Habakkuk was changed. Are we changed? Is Jesus enough? When times are tough and life is overwhelming and our circumstances are not changing, is Jesus enough for us? What about if everything, I mean, everything around us was stripped away? Habakkuk knew what was coming. There was going to be economic depression. Everything they needed would be taken away or destroyed. Let's look at verse 17 again. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Figs and grapes would be no more. Sweet figs, extremely important for both nutritional and economic reasons, gone. There will be no more wine to drink and feed at feasts and festivals. No more olive oil, a staple that they needed to cook with and bake bread and to light their lamps and use in ceremonies. Their fields will be empty. No more animals to eat or to sell. Famine, total devastation. Everything is gone. Yet, in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though there will be nothing left, and famine and suffering is on the way, point two, Habakkuk will rest and rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk's circumstances remain unchanged, yet he had faith in God. 
God is now enough for Habakkuk. If we had our necessities taken away, would we still remain, rest, and rejoice in the Lord? Would we have faith in God? Remember those empty shelves in the grocery stores? You know, way back in 2020? It's nothing, nothing like Habakkuk was describing here, but it wasn't that long ago when all the baking flour, gone. Canned goods, gone. Ground beef, gone. Baby formula, gone. And yes, toilet paper, totally gone. Empty shelves, long lineups. Will we still rejoice? Do we rest and rejoice in the Lord even through life's uncertainties? Yet I will rejoice, says Habakkuk. Can we say yet we will rejoice? Not because of the stuff we have or the abundance of it. Not because life is going great. Not because our shelves are full and we are satisfied. No, we will rejoice because of who Jesus is. Because we know who Jesus is. Because of his love, his presence, his provision, and his care. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Habakkuk goes on to say in verse 18, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. No longer is he the old Habakkuk, he's the new Habakkuk. Even though devastation awaited him, he finds his joy in God. He finds his joy in the God who is faithful and loving, who rescues him and saves him. God's justice and mercy are finally enough. God is enough for him. In Christ, we have new life. We are chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. We have an eternal inheritance. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So much to rejoice about. This new life, a free gift of God for everyone who believes. David Platt, referring to 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18, wrote this. We can have joy because of Jesus, because Jesus has conquered sin and death. He has severed the root of suffering and risen from the grave. And we know that even troubles in this world are light and momentary, and they are achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So ladies, let's rest and rejoice. Let's rejoice in the God of our salvation in the hope of Jesus Christ. Let's rejoice in his promises, his goodness, and his greatness, no matter what hardships may come our way. Jesus is enough. So Habakkuk is listening to God. He's waiting on him. He rests in him and rejoices in him. And now in verse 19, we see that he declares that God is his strength. Verse 19, God the Lord is my strength. And in quoting the Psalms, he says, he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. God is his rock. He relies on God for his strength and stability. 
A deer can jump and run and skip on treacherous rocky mountainsides. Its feet are secure and its stride is stable. Like that deer is steady and secure, with God's strength, Habakkuk is steady and secure, no matter how rocky the ground is beneath him. With God's strength, Habakkuk can face the difficult, unsteady ground he is walking on victoriously. Jesus is our rock. We can rely on him to be our strength and firm foundation, and we have victory in him. So what better way to remind the people of Judah about the Lord's faithfulness than to sing about it? At the very end, to the choir master with stringed instruments. The choir master will set Habakkuk's prayer to music so that God's people will sing it over and over and over again when they gather for worship. When they were in captivity, they would sing of his faithfulness. In the midst of troubles, they would sing his praises. Point three, relying on and worshiping the Lord. Relying and worshiping no matter what. Everything in life is going great. We can go to him with thanksgiving, praising the God of our salvation. Everything in life is not going great. We can still go to him with thanksgiving, praising the God of our salvation. The righteous walk by faith. For those who trust in the Lord, who belong to Christ, who walk by faith, we can fully trust in his character. For those who trust in the Lord, we can worship him in the best of times and even in the worst of times. He will sustain us no matter what difficulties or hardships or trials we might be going through or what challenges may be lingering ahead. He is our strength. Let's wait on him. Let's rest in his promises. He is our salvation. And let's praise God for the salvation he provides in Jesus Christ. Habakkuk went through troubled times, yet he waited, yet he rejoiced. God was enough. In our troubled times, let us wait. Let us rejoice. Jesus is enough. There's a song written by Shane and Shane entitled, You've Already Won. They wrote the song last year and dedicated it to the followers of Jesus in Ukraine who are trusting Jesus amidst um, incredible turmoil and conflict in their country. But if you're fighting a battle in your life, today this song is for you too. It's a song for me as well. The first verse goes like this. There's peace that outlasts darkness, hope that's in the blood. There's future grace that's mine today that Jesus Christ has won. So I can face tomorrow for tomorrow's in your hands. All I need, you will provide just like you always have. Verse two, there's mercy in the waiting. Manna for today and when it's gone, I know you're not. You are my hope and stay. When the sea is raging, your spirit is my help. He'll fix my eyes on Jesus Christ. I'll say that it is well. Oh, I know that it is well. I'm fighting a battle. You've already won. 
No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. Don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. Thank you, God. I'm fighting a battle. You've already won. I know how the story ends. We will be with you again. You're my savior, my defense. No more fear in life or death. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you know the battles that each one of us is fighting. You know the tears, the fears, the heartache. We might not know what you're doing, whether the pain or hurt will be taken away or whether times will get even worse. May we remember your goodness and faithfulness from times past, how you worked in the lives of others as well as the amazing things you've done in our life. Help us to focus on you, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to walk by faith no matter what the circumstances. Lord, we thank you for the finished work of Jesus on the cross, on what he's already done, for the victory that we have in Jesus. Just when we might think that there is no way, you provided one. And may we hold on to this hope and the promise that you bring. And we look forward to that day where there will be a place with no more pain or suffering, tears or fears, when we can see you face to face. Oh, we rejoice in you, Lord, our strength, our salvation. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.